Everyone still looks uncomfortable. Perhaps they all remember that old saying, power corrupts. Welcome to Second Officer Slog. I'm your host, Emma. With me is regular co-host, Jackson. Hello, Star Trek. We're here. Thank you, Star Trek. <laughs> what have you watched Star Trek-wise since I last spoke to you about uh, Star Trek? Nothing, no, right? You're no. fucking useless. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't entirely true. I mean, it's actually more true than you realize, but whatever. We'll ignore what it. What do you mean? Oh, I like... Just because I was too tired, wanted to see what one of those Enterprise books that we mentioned on when we were reading through Voyages of Imagination. Because we so there's a book called Voyages of Imagination, which basically goes through all the books uh, up to 2006. Every Star Trek book ever published has a little blurb about it, and all the Enterprise ones were like, "Oh, this was uh, like these people wrote it because they were so mad about how boring the show was." Mm. Uh, so I read the first one of those. Oh, the first Enterprise book. Yeah, the first Enterprise book. All the way through? Yeah, it's something about like I did not realize I was gonna read it all, and then it was. Was done. it the was it the broken bow one? No, it was not the novelization. It was oh, okay. Book. I um I finished the first Pocket Books TOS book written in like 1981 or something. You did. Um, yeah, it, it was actually really good. Uh, unfortunately, that author uh, I don't remember her name. She's written like dozens of books and was not. In, she declined to be interviewed for Voyages of Imagination. So every one of her books just says not interviewed, and it's a real shame. Um, it's clear she has the hots for Sulu, and yes. the book is good. Good, good, good. No, some of the like little tidbits you get in that book are really good. Yep. So mad about Enterprise. They're so mad. It's good. We might have to talk about that off the thing. Um, yes. This episode's not about books. This episode is about television. Have you watched Star Trek, the television show? Uh, yes, I have watched one episode of Star Trek, the one that was airing oh, yesterday. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, of course. Sorry. You're right. the one who is at home uh, All watching... I do is watch Star Trek now. I was watching a fan film that takes place after Enterprise during the Romulan Earth War, but it involves the Iconians. It was bad. But, like, specifically... An Enterprise, a post-Enterprise one, not like it was in that era, like it had the Future Man. Yes, it had the Future Man. It was the it, it was the captain of the NX-04, the Discovery. <laughs> pretty good. That's pretty good. Yes. And everything was just like a here's a still from the show with a lot of Photoshop effects blue screened behind these actors. Uh, I, that sounds like every single one of those. Uh, yeah. Fan films would be much more fun if it wasn't if like it wasn't for the burden of production. Yeah, no, there's the, there's a scene where they return to Earth and then everyone's just having like their wind down get together while they're drinking wine in this guy's living room. Like it's clearly just like the house of someone who works on the production, and that part's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. I, this is a bigger discussion than this, but I don't know why I, I like can't really get into fan films when I'm fine with fanfic. I'm like, oh yeah, fanfic, that's fine. Whereas fan films are always a bit more like weird and dissonant. Because they, I like f- because write, written word can be anything, right? Like it yeah. can fill any container. When you film something, the 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 quality that you get out of fan productions, and I understand that they're labors of love and they take a lot of energy and resources and money. 
it just can't live up. Like and you immediately realize, even though everything tries very hard to look like J.J. Abrams style bloom disaster, how expensive it is to make an appropriate J.J. Abrams bloom disaster. Yep. It's yeah, it, it's it's a it's a real it's a real thing. I don't know. Like even the expensive fa- uh, fan films, like not a Star Trek one, but uh, this is too big. But someone, because they're mean to me, linked me a fucking Harry Potter fan film that was just like incredibly expensive. What about Batman Dead End? Have you seen that one? Is that the one where the, the alien shows up? Yes, okay. I think it's the Predator. But yes, the predator, right. I remember it was like that's just like a fight in an alley that yes. ends with but they have like they have like this like bodybuilder as batman and he's in like a like an actual uh fabric batman suit and it looks amazing oh that's pretty i remember this but i don't like have yeah. any kind of visual ret- i haven't thought about that since you know seven yes. years the whole idea was we are going to spend the money to make a short film because i don't think it's like eight minutes long of like an actual suit that reflects what batman looks like in the comics and then they did that and it looks amazing and then their next plan was let's have him fight the predator <laughs> Oh, fucking nerds. Yeah, no. <laughs> anyway, in conclusion, that Joseph Kahn Power Rangers short film is pretty good. Uh, Yeah, but only because, <laughs> like, the thing is, everyone saw that, like, oh, they need to let him make a Power Rangers. And no, no, that was the whole point was that fan films and remakes of this stuff are bad. Uh, right. We're here to talk about Discovery. We are, I guess, here to talk about Discovery. We- this yeah. is episode 11. It aired the 14th of January, 2018. That was yesterday as of recording. It It was written by Lisa Randolph. It was directed by TJ Scott. It continues the Mirror Universe arc that we are in. Memory Alpha helpfully describes this as Mirror Universe episode 5 of 11 and USS Defiant episode 5 of 5. Everything about Star Trek is dumb. (laughs) The best part about that is that, like, because of how those works, those both operate on different timelines. Yes. Like, Mirror Mirror is going to come after this, but Tholian Web in the other arc comes before this. Yes. Oh, Memory Alpha. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. That's just beautiful. Yeah. Jackson, tell me what happens in The Wolf Inside. Uh, the Wolf Inside. Oh, God. Right. You gave me the uh, running down the summary duties, and I'm like, okay, do I remember what happens? Um, on the... Uh, USS uh, ISS like camouflage discovery in the mirror universe uh we begin and like there's just uh, a shot of someone trying to fix a um just a power relay uh in a yes. corridor and it's all creepy and weird and you're like is this that like that bit in first contact uh and no it just you you then see Stamets just having oh have you did you watch the preview for this episode now that you've seen the episode no I, I always so about the it. shot of her walking down the corridor in like silhouette was in that preview but the shot is in such a way where it looked like it looked to me it was like oh this is gonna this is a shot of Emperor Georgie with like big hair <laughs> because she has like a welding mask up and it was not that but also it was like the obvious tip off of the thing that was going to happen in this episode that guess what happens at the end of this episode it's, it's just it's another it's just a scene it's just like I was like oh is this gonna be something like weird on the Discovery is that doing another plot that I didn't expect like no it's just a moment uh, I'm not entirely sure why the Discovery is like having such energy flickers and stuff like that like it didn't <laughs> have that stuff at the end of last episode i just think it was broken like things break okay i that's convenient just to have a spooky cold open <laughs> yeah clearly because it's like like 
Uh, Stamets is in, is in the medical bay, like hugging uh, Kalba's body, and it's like a really affecting shot. And you're like, well, what's going on here? But nothing. They just this was the mood they chose. Yep. Um, anyway, over on the Shenzhou, uh, Michael Burnham is like impersonating Captain Georgiou. Um Not Captain Georgiou. What? Uh, Captain Burnham. <laughs> well, Georgiou was the captain. Of the, the mirror universe makes things very confusing. <laughs> Jackson, you need to speed this up a little bit. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, Burnham's having like issues about how she has been in the mirror universe. It's like, oh, I've been here for two days. What if I lose myself? And then Tyler's like, you're not going to lose yourself. I'm. To be fair, she stabbed a man <laughs> like two hours into this universe. That's true. I guess these are two heavy days. She, she like sends... she watched a bunch of people get beamed out into space to freeze to death. She orders the them to beam to be beamed out to space to freeze to yep. death, and is like. The, the scariest part is that this is getting easier. This is just what I do now. No. Nope. Um, Tyler is like, it's we're going to be each other's tether. You are my tether. You remind me of who I am. So nothing could possibly go wrong. <laughs> uh, she gets orders to... Um, we'll just do the um, Shenzhou plot uh, first. Well, you forgot to mention a new character arrives on the scene on the Shenzhou this episode. D- did I? Yes. Right. 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 <laughs> Fuck. Right. Yes. Uh, Mirasaru is here, and he's just uh, Burnham's slave. Yes, he's just a slave. He doesn't have a name. He doesn't have a name, which is like, I'm going to call you Saru because I can't not call you Saru because I have to hold on to something. Um, and then he there's like long scenes of him washing her. <laughs> yep. Uh, anyway, orders come in uh, for the for the Mira Shenzhou, uh, that they are to destroy the rebels, destroy the rebels who are on a planet that I forget the name of, and because Memory Alpha hasn't Dantooine. But yeah, no, <laughs> it's far too remote <laughs> to make an effective demonstration. <laughs> Fuck you, <laughs> Jackson. They're on Dantooine. I know, I know. Anyway, so they have to go. I'm just going to call it Dantooine. That's going to really piss you off. So they go to Dantooine. <laughs> it's called Harlack. <laughs> what? Harlak, H-A-R-L-A-K. Okay. If you scroll down, it says references, and that's where they put the stuff before they fill out the actual summary. Oh, references, cool, because I was going down, and I was like, oh, man, yeah, I did have a long teaser. You know, right about that. Yeah. Um, so they go to the, the planet where the rebels on Harlak, uh, and they've been ordered by the Emperor just to take him out from orbit. And uh, Burnham's like, I will not do this. I am a Starfleet officer. Uh, like, I know I have to keep my cover, and the, this would happen if I wasn't here, and so technically it's not my fault, but if I'm going to save lives, I can. So she decides to instead, like, do a deep cover operation where she beams down with um, uh, with Tyler to go and meet the head of the Resistance and be like, I am coming in peace, I'm giving you time to escape, and then I will bomb you, and, like, everything will be fine, and we're, this is, like, we're going to uh, establish a bit of a dialogue. She goes to do that to also find out why the Resistance is able to, like, operate because in this like with the terran empire as the dominant force in the galaxy the resistance are like the closest thing to a federation of an alliance also they're being led by a klingon yes i was building to that (laughs) (laughs) but yes they're being led by a klingon and and nobody could figure out could even like the flame wolf uh, the flame bringer, isn't it? The flame wolf? Is no, it? no, it's the torchbearer in the prime universe. They called him the flame wolf in this universe. I thought it was the flame something else, but it might be. It, it's something wolf. It is specifically wolf. I think it's flame wolf. It might have been like red wolf, something like that. But I'm it, pretty sure it's flame. It was definitely flame or fire. Fire wolf. I so maybe fire wolf. I don't. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> I remember the wolf part. You remember fire part. So there we go. Fire wolf. There you go together with our powers combined. Uh, anyway, yep. no one could begin to guess who this was. Of course, it's Vox. Um, and then 
as this like negotiation is going on, uh, a lot of things happen. One, Sarek's there. He's got a beard. He's got a goatee. Uh, yeah. Sarek reads uh, Burnham's mind to prove that he um uh that she comes in peace, which is like this moment of him going like discovering the truths of these two universes. But instead of explaining anything, he's like, oh, "She comes in peace. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Just trust me." Yeah. Uh, as he mind melds uh, with her. Uh, and there's no negotiations going on, and she's like uh, asking Vok, um, "How are you able to lead this uh, this this um, this alliance? How have you Klingon who like cares about honor so much? Because in our universe, you're so fucking on your bullshit that you can't chill out for five seconds. How are you able to do this?" And he starts explaining, but you don't really hear much because the camera and the entire focus of the scene pans left as ash tyler is fucking freaking out <laughs> he is like having an like a freak out he is having flashbacks to the scenes in the pilot uh where Takuma was talking everything is finally coming out and he like explodes and yells like remain clear on or die and attacks the other vog <laughs> mid negotiation uh, yeah, it, it does not go well for him because he immediately gets owned well because he's he's had all his klingon bones chipped off <laughs> Yes, that's true. Was, he is yep. literally half the Klingon he used to be. Yep. Um, I like how people were saying on Twitter how funny it was how now that Vox here and like talking English in a lot of these scenes, uh, how obvious it is it's just Shazad Latif's voice. <laughs> um, it was pretty good. Anyway, uh, he gets knocked out and uh, there's a whole thing and they're like, okay, that was fucking weird, but you can deal with that later. We'll begin evacuating. Everyone runs away. Uh, so they head back to the Shenzhou and um, <laughs> uh, what happens next? What's the order of things? Because a lot of things happen. She immediately confronts him, basically. Yeah, she immediately yells at him. Does it happen in that scene? Is it like the next scene? Is that where? Yeah, because they beam aboard and then... Uh, Detmer's like, oh, should I fire now? And she's like, wait a second, I'll deal with this later. And then she drags him into the room to talk to him, and that's when he freaks out. Right, it, man, this this episode moves so fast. Yes. Uh, there's another subplot that we'll get to uh, that's going on at the same time back in the Discovery, but um, uh, there's this very, very long scene where he tries to basically explain the Vogue thing as best he can, and is like, I don't think I'm me. There's someone else and I know he's there and I can't tell the difference anymore and Ash Tyler slowly disappears and is entirely replaced by Vok. I think Well the thing is like he he offers that answer and then she rejects it as she's like no you you've been brainwashed and the more she tries to argue with him that he's clearly just Ash Tyler the more Vok asserts himself. Yeah, like it's a really cool scene because it's a revelation that we've known has been coming basically since the second Ash, Ash Tyler showed up. Uh, everyone figured it out moment one and thankfully they don't play it as a huge twist about this it's more about like yeah this is what's happening and what the hell is like how weird is it to process that when this one person who you are relying on uh in this fucked up situation suddenly is like your mortal enemy uh and he starts talking about like the way the fight on the bridge of the um oh shit what was the ship called the sarcophagus yes the yes. sarcophagus ship sarcophagus ship goes and it's it, it's a really good scene it's it's really well done uh it was very emotional and it ends with her essentially almost getting killed by uh ash tyler slash vok uh until saru comes and pulls mirror him saru. off yes mirror saru comes and pulls him off uh and is like well he's he's there's been an attempt on your life because in the mirror universe that's just a thing that happens they don't have to explain why he was attacking her to death yeah i know that's pretty regular <laughs> that's fairly regular um 
And so he's just sentenced to be beamed out into space. And they're like, that's what has to happen. Uh, and what she does as she orders him to be beamed out into space, she like goes and like says like her one last chance to say something. And he basically is to cover him or he's Vok at her and she punches him in the stomach. But in doing so slips a disc into his holster, which is the data on how the uh, defiant came into this universe, which they need to get to discovery, which they couldn't send because someone would notice and they beam out into space. And then he's immediately picked up by the discovery and he's alive, and Saru's like, I've got the disc. You are going into the brig immediately. Yeah, there was a secret plan. Uh, a lot of people uh, on the internet were asking, how did this happen? The Discovery was miles away. It was like, the system's away. How could uh, they like suddenly beam him out without being noticed? Uh, well, you see, it's a television show? Yeah, the Discovery has a spore drive. Oh, they can't use it. Fuck. Right. No, okay. they can't use it. No. But also, it's a television show. It is a television show. In which show. you plot things so they tell a good story, and you let nerds worry about that on their YouTube channels. She Fuck did off. something with the transporter. It worked. <laughs> she beamed him out. They beamed him up. Whatever. Who cares? Who cares? Not relevant. Not relevant. Um, if these are the questions you're asking, you need a different show than Star Trek. Yeah. I mean, okay. Like, I agree. But also... Uh, we have said many times that's not how shields work. That is a yeah, thing we sure. said in the last but episode. We say that and like laugh and move on. <laughs> I feel like the way you imply this, that people were asking this, is that they asked the question and then were like, well, this show is trash. That's true. That does happen. Uh, yes. So they recover, uh, they recover Ash and uh, Vok, who is like clearly at the forefront of the personality right now, is like, you should have let me die with honor because of course he is. Uh, mm -hmm. And Sarah's like, we may be in this universe, but we are still Starfleet. You're going to the brig right now, sir. <laughs> uh, and yep. that's where he's left for, for this uh, for this moment. Meanwhile, um, on the Discovery this whole time... No, you need you have not finished the Shenzhou's plot yet. <laughs> no, I haven't. You're right about that. <laughs> yep. uh, should I finish the Shenzhou thing? Yeah, I would finish the Shenzhou thing. All right. Uh, so... The Shenzhou thing uh, is all wrapped up. Uh, everyone, everything is fine. She is waiting for the rebels to evacuate before she fires. Um, fires well, the torpedoes. In the meantime, she's like, "Bring me Lorca. I need to feel better about losing my like my fuck toy. So I am going to take Lorca and I'm going to interrogate him myself. And so she drags Lorca into her like quarters where she just gives him a cup of water and a blanket <laughs> as he's like recovering from being tortured for the past two days. One of my favorite uh, other arguments uh, through nerds in response to this episode is there's been a lot of talk about uh, Jason Isaac's accent in this scene because he becomes more Southern. <laughs> Yes, I love it. Because uh, I was listening, I'm like, man, Jason Isaacs is killing it because his accent is really thick here. But obviously, he's like half delirious and afraid and he's been tortured for days. You are going to revert to your accent. It's like when people are drunk, like often your accent will come back if you've repressed it by just like growing up and needing to like shave off your regionalisms. What I liked about the, like some of the discussion I saw about this was that people were like, why is he so Southern all of a sudden? This doesn't make any sense because <laughs> there was notice that he's been doing like a, like a repressed Southern accent on purpose the entire time because Jason yes. Isaacs goes above and beyond in accents for no reason yeah. other than he loves it. Yeah, no, 100%. So I noticed that and was uh, thinking of you when that happened. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, and so he's like, no, he may have, like, that's fucked up what happened, but you're not alone. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through yeah, this. Well, also, she's like, now that we've sent that stuff to Discovery, we can get the fuck off the ship. And he's like, no, 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 we, we can't just, like, abandon the ship. Everyone will know that we've left and everyone will come after us. And the situation is still a little too fucked to just leave. Yep. 
so and then and then they are summoned to the bridge because a ship is apparently there and opening fire on the planet before the rebels have fled completely yeah, the rebels have not been able to evacuate and yet all of the targets uh, are hit because she escapes the rebel base like they give her the intel of all the bases so that yes. they know where to like so it looks like she came there and like got intel and they won't suspect yeah. her of actually like negotiating with the rebels um yep. and every single one of those targets is hit before they had a chance to evacuate uh, by this mysterious ship, which of course is the Emperor's ship, and of course immediately Georgie just shows up at the bridge, uh, and everyone bows except um, uh, except Burnham, who's just like stunned. She is like like the most like wide eyed fuck <laughs> that you yeah. could possibly be. Uh, and there's one. There's also one person who bows, but mostly just looks sheepish, knowing that this would eventually happen and feeling kind of bad about it, which is uh, fucking Gabriel Lorca. Yeah, because uh, uh, he's like, oh, fuck, here we go, I guess. Uh, and she says a line that's like, you've been away too long. Well, the, uh, and only one of you, I guess. So, Mira Lorca confirmed. Um, I mean, you know, like, not explicitly confirmed, but yeah, come on. Yeah, I mean, as confirmed as Vok was, like, in episode six. Yeah. So, probably confirmed. If they do something yeah. else, I'll be shocked. Yeah, no, same. Uh, but she's uh, she is Emperor Georgiou. She has a sword and, like, a giant cloak, and she uh, she's ridiculous. Um, we'll talk about it later. Emperor, that's where that happens. Yeah, that's where that happens. Uh, and that's where that ends. That is the cliffhanger. That is... Phew. Yes. Uh, but meanwhile on Discovery, uh, a lot of other bullshit has been going on, uh, mainly concerning Stamets. Uh, to alleviate the plot uh, drama that should occur by the fact that Ash has murdered Culber, uh, everyone just says, oh, this was clearly Stamets uh, in like a disorientated state and he is he is ill and he's like he's barely there his brainwaves aren't registering so we have to fix him this is like a tragedy uh but no one no starfleet person has randomly murdered another one that would be crazy um <laughs> so they take stamets uh and uh tilly requests like the thing that is wrong with him is to do with the spores we you need to give him back to me i'm the like senior engineering person here uh which is implies that there's only three people who work in engineering and it's her well it's specifically that she was the one working with stamets on the spore drive stuff like there's other engineers but none of them it's like burnham stamets and tilly were the people working on the spore drive yeah uh because it's still got warp engines and shit like there's still engineering happening that's true there's like warp engines in the back like there's a spore drive right next to the warp engine (laughs) (laughs) uh so she takes him back to the um to the chamber the spore chamber and it's like okay what we're gonna do is we're gonna throw the spore we're gonna like merge him with the spores we're gonna put a bunch of spores in him and then the symbiosis between him and the spores are gonna bring him back because he's like his consciousness is barely in his body and is like he's like slipping in and out of the network maybe he has already become one with the mushrooms it is too late to say or it's too like early to say um this goes on for a while they go back and forth uh and they think that they're bringing him back as his brainwaves uh return to normal but he tragically like his heartbeat stops and he dies and they try to revive him and they can't and it's all very sad um but then suddenly later on he starts moving again and uh and um tilly like tries to get him to talk but he's not saying anything and what instead we cut to is this like forest of it looks like the um like what's behind that door in the uh discovery oh that's okay yes it does look like that but everything is glowing but yes everything is glowing he's in like a magic spore space 
Yeah. And he's like walking through like la 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 la, barely aware of anything. And who should show up? It's Mirror Stamets, and there's two Stamets right next to each other in the Spore universe. Seeing and he's like, lost. he's like, he, you, no, because uh, Mirror Stamets is like, oh, Paul, you're finally here. We got a lot of work to do. <laughs> yep. So you immediately posted to Twitter a picture of the uh, like interdimensional catch of reeds. Yes, which is where three different universes in the Marvel Universe of Reed Richards got the Infinity Gauntlet. And what they decided to do was use that cosmic power to team up across the multiverse and just create, like, a council of the smartest men in each universe, which is always himself. (laughs) (laughs) Which is clearly what Paul Stamets is going to do. Oh, thank God. That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. (laughs) Yes. The the International Council of Reeds is like a supervillain, obviously, because Reed Richards sucks, but I assume Paul Stamets will be more benevolent. I mean, he's going to have to fight with his mirror self, who I'm assuming is not benevolent at all. I don't know. Like, if his mirror self has been seeing the stuff he's been seeing and he sees all these possibilities, there's very real possibility that he's evolved past believing in the, the Terran Empire bullshit. That's true. We'll see how it goes. Like, it, they could take it like he's trapped in this space with his evil self, or they're doing, like, weird science stuff in this null space. Yeah. Uh, which, given that it's Star Trek, it's probably the other one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's basically the episode. If I forgot anything, let me know. No, that's it. I kind of just wanted to talk about uh, reactions to stuff. So, yes. Mirasaru is like a slave he's like washing burnham and then saru when she contacts saru saru is like have you on like the secure line he's like have you heard anything about kelpians i, I like we're a rare species in your universe and i was hoping maybe you'd heard word and she's like no i haven't and poor saru <laughs> he's not ready for that truth he really isn't no yeah no um i was listening to uh women at warp which is a like a feminist star trek podcast yes. it's really good, good i show. recommend it I have listened to um they were talking about a panel. They were like, it was like audio of a panel where they were talking about women in Star Trek and it had Gates McFadden on it. And she was talking about her complaints with like the way Crusher was portrayed in the show. And listening to it today, I'm continually struck by how good the stuff Michael Burnham has to work with as a character written in a show is. Like yes. this episode has her trying very hard to appear to be a badass, like barely holding it together in private. Uh, she is a character where, like, she can, like, sleep with Ash Tyler and it's, like, part of, like, their relationship, like, makes sense to these two people who clearly don't have a whole lot in common but are thrust in the situation would, like, cling to each other. Um, there is, like, her walking around in, like, lingerie that is just, like, not sexualized. It's not to Paul in her fucking underwear. Um, we've come a long way as Star Trek. Like, the material she's given and the way she's written is, like, the female lead of Star Trek, uh, compared to, like, Janeway or to Paul is not, like, a lead, but she's one of the main three. Fucking TV has changed, and I'm so happy about it. It has. This is also particularly good. Yes. Yes. Also, like, one of the things they've been talking about is, like, yeah, our writer's room is half women, and you can tell. You can fucking tell. Yep. I wish I wish this show had more women on it. Like, they should, uh, next season, add a few more. Maybe murder a few less of them. <laughs> Uh, I'm sad that I'm sad that uh, Lieutenant Detmer has had more to do in the mirror universe than her normal prime universe counterpart has ever had to do. Right, she gets like a little bit of a moment here. <laughs> yeah, she gets she gets a couple things because she's basically like the the like highest ranking ISS officer on this ship. Mm-hmm. But that said, like um, like Attilian Burnham's relationship is fantastic, and like like yeah. 
we talked a lot in other episodes about the difference between TNG's relationships between women and uh, DS9's, and yeah. this is like even further than that, just instantly. Like, oh, here are these two women who are friends, and like it's a dynamic friendship that has like its own, uh, like everyone has their own perspective, everyone has their own character, and they're just like people. Whereas in TNG, like which is now twenty years ago, I guess. Um, yeah. Uh, it's like those scenes with them doing more their, than twenty years ago, like twenty five years ago, twenty five at least years ago. But like that yes. was the scene with them doing the. Do you call it Klingon calisthenics? No, uh, there's the one where they're just doing like stretches and they're in those yeah. like lycra jumpsuits. And whenever it is a Deanna and a Crusher like scene, they are always gossiping about boys. That's all they do. Like they are characters that don't interact outside of that. Uh, there was uh, in that panel, Gates of Craton was like, I never did a scene with Denise Crosby. Like we never shared a scene where we just talk to each other mm-hmm. and like that's fucked up that is fucked up yep. instead we're going to but, talk about how this vase isn't to right its taste uh but tilly is like a character like even as like she's she like could have easily been the comic relief she could be the harry kim of this show and oh. instead there's like the scene where she's like she convinces sarah to let her try this stuff to save stamets and then she also in doing so like pressures him into giving her a command track recommendation when they get back to the universe yes, 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 yes. and sorry was like well look you're very impressive in your new captain stead you have a lot more confidence we'll see if we get back to our universe alive We'll talk about it. I like that Saru gets a moment to be like to push down on someone because he's the most pushover boy. Yes, because uh, usually whenever he's pushing down on someone, uh, and this is also informed by the book that we read, it's like mostly coming out of a place of his fucking resentment for Burnham. But this is just very like earnest and like maybe one day, maybe one yeah. day, Tilly. Yeah, Tilly just being on the ship and but like with this newfound understanding that like, no, when push comes to shove, she can actually show up and be impressive is very good. Yeah. I'm glad that she's not moping about her captain angst. Yeah, because you were talking to me about um, like notes given to Jerry Taylor running Voyager and what she had yeah. to make Janeway into, which is basically be the perfect woman for every audience at all times, which is impossible. You can't actually do that and write a character. You just have like a nothing. You become nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah, but there was so much pressure on the first woman to head a Star Trek show to be the captain of a starship. And the, uh, she had to, like, you know, she needed to be a character that wasn't, like, pictured as, like, a nag or, like, promiscuous in the way that Kirk was allowed to be, because otherwise men would hate her. And they'd make her relatable to women, but not too feminist. Otherwise, you know, a bunch of hate will come at them. Like, it's just impossible to balance. And Janeway's not, like, a perfect character at all. Like, she ends up with almost zero interiority because of it. Um because they tightrope walk across like a bunch of different things that don't actually gel into a real human being over the course of that show. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, like that watching that stuff, cause we're going through season one of Voyager and then immediately like going into this show, it is so good how much Burnham and Tilly are just allowed to be people with like emotions and con- conflicts and uh, moments where like when, um, when Ash Tyler attacks uh, Burnham and he's pulled away, like she's like crouched in the corner, like terrified and hurt and upset. And you get to see her stand up and put on her like mirror universe face and march yeah. out of her quarters. And it's so fucking good. It's such a good moment. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, she kills it. This, she's killed it this entire season. This is a great show. Yep. This is a great show. So uh, more things of note. Uh, we have new makeup for the Andorians and Tellarites, we Jackson. Do. Uh, we do. The Tellarite makeup is very different. Yes, the Tellarite makeup is the most different in that they now have, like, it's more, I don't know, like, they have tusks for one, which I think is a great touch. But they're more, like, weirdly dwarvish. It looks less like a Halloween mask. I like it a lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, 
Uh, I'm always pro whenever a Tellarite can show up. Yeah, no, Tellarites are good. The Tellarites don't speak in this episode, which is a shame. I hope we get more of them in the Prime Universe next season. Oh, please. Tellarite crew member. <laughs> yeah, put a Tellarite on the ship, please. And then we get Andorians, or we get one Andorian who is very dramatic and... Is the implication that he's, like, using a universal translator? Because his voice is really heavily modulated. Um, I think so, but I, I think, like, with, like, all the Klingons have modulated voices as well. I think that's, like, a technique that they're using just to show alien voices. Yeah, um, I wonder if, like, if they put a if they put an Andorian on the ship, I assume they would just talk with a normal voice, because you wouldn't want to do that post-processing for that entire character, right? Yeah, like, they do it on the aliens to make them feel more alien and strange but like Sarah well, just specifically voice. specifically Vok is t- like Mira Vok is talking English yes because that's a plot point he's not through a translator uh then maybe maybe the universe translator is being used I don't know like yeah. I, like this show definitely like the moment in episode nine I think I forget which number it was but the one with uh, the final fight on the sarcophagus and yeah the that's way, nine. the transition from uh hearing them speaking Klingon to them speaking uh English through the translator was like a really good moment and cemented what the translator was and how it worked as a, like a physical thing in a way that even enterprise which is a show about that didn't do <laughs> no um but the endurians are basically the same they got rid of their eyebrows and gave them like weird like they almost look like the eye stalks of like a uh of a snail without the eyeball on them like coming off of their uh eyebrows it basically like turns the white uh hair into like a fleshy nub wing coming off of their brows Mm -hmm. but that's it otherwise like he was really heavily made up but i assume if they had a regular they would just use lighter makeup like uh like jeffrey combs only has the forehead piece because they're not going to cover him in prosthetics every time they want him on that ship yeah like the um i thought i assumed that the andorian makeup on this was like it was a little much he was like very like angular and angry and like yes but also like we've seen journey to babel like that's how the original andorians look too oh yeah no for sure but i assume the, that is like a broad way of conveying this is what an Andorian is through design. When you like yep. have an Andorian as a character or more of them showing up, you can like loosen up a bit more. Uh, yep. So Vok calls Sarek out and he's like, it's a, it's my prophet. Everything he says comes true. And then all Sarek does is the thing that seemingly all Vulcans can do in mind melds with her. Like every Vulcan is a prophet then. Why is Sarek special? Um, I mean, not all Vulcans can mind meld, can they? I don't know what the state is at this point. So, like, Enterprise plays that fast. Like, Enterprise definitely is like, oh, not all Vulcans can do it. But Tuvok does it. Spock does it. Every Vulcan we see post-Enterprise but, but, it just mind melds whenever necessary. It's not even, like, considered a huge deal. Enterprise, like, makes it a big deal. Like, oh, mind melding is this, like, a uh, taboo thing. And then in season four has an episode dedicated to how actually that's probably not true and a bunch of bullshit we cured mind melt aids we got rid of that that's bad we got we threw that out we we will not be talking about mind melt aids in this episode (laughs) past this mention if you want to know what that is please go watch star trek enterprise it's sometimes it's a really bad show yeah uh and then like there are about seven mind melds in season four it's not that long a season so yep uh yeah vulcans be mind melding all the time (laughs) <laughs> yep. He gets to my meld and realized that another version of himself is mind melded with Burnham, which is pretty good. <laughs> he just turns around and goes, uh, she means us no harm. It's like, there you yep. go. They, you don't want to know the rest. Yep. But then, like, he can't actually act on any of that because it's assumed that all of these rebels got blown up immediately, right? So I assume some of them made it off. Yeah. Uh, if, yeah. if next week's episode is not the final episode of um, the show, uh, of the Mirror Universe arc, 
uh, then I assume that the, she will run into what remains of the rebels at some point before she has to go mm-hmm. home. So then you have the scene where she talks to Vok and then she's like, how, how are you the leader of this like weird federation? She doesn't even say federation, but whatever. This mirror federation uh, that is led by a Klingon. Like your, your whole deal is that you're like racial purity politics. So how can you work with Andorans and Vulcans and Tellarites? And his answer is that the, like the existential threat of the Terrans is such that it was able to unite the Klingon houses. And in doing so they got over their bullshit enough to let other people in, um, to like their loose Alliance of rebels or whatever. And it's treated like this is the stuff she needs to end the war through diplomatic means to get back to the prime universe. But this is not actionable Intel. Like she can't take this and get to the prime universe and then find an existential threat to unite the Klingon houses. That's not how any of this works. Yeah. I don't know what, um, uh, like I read the scene as more throwaway than you. Cause, uh, most of the focus is well, on her um, whole, th- the whole reason she goes down there instead of like one, like she doesn't want to kill these people, obviously, but the part of the reason she's like, I have to go and talk to them is she needs, she wants to find, because once she hears that uh, Klingon's leading everything, she's like, I need to find the answer to how you get Klingons to work with other races. And only the leader of this alliance, who's a Klingon, can tell me that. And so she asks him, and the thing he gives her is so specific that she can't actually use it, but she acts like she knows, like she has an answer now. Yeah, I don't know. It's a weird scene. Um, I thought that the point of it was less to say that it, uh, like she has an answer, and more to say that like this Klingon actually doesn't have like she went in expecting like some massive difference in philosophy but when he's like speak spelling out his philosophy it's intercut with like of of the vok flashbacks on the ash tyler side that basically show this philosophy and like ideology is basically the same it's just like taken on a slightly different perspective to allow this uh so implied to me not that there needs to be a massive shift in order to allow diplomation diplomatic relations to work there just needs to be like tiny shifts in perspective more than you need like a huge i mean i i agree with that i just i don't know if that's the conclusion the show will draw basically what i'm saying is i really like this scene i wish it was about 10 minutes longer well yeah because it's like a scene where everyone gets around a table and argues about their problems and they interrupt yes. it with a fight yeah no and like i get it ash tyler is a fucking mess and of course he's gonna start a fight here but i'd much rather have her and miravok talk about differences in like universes and how people can be united because that's the thing that i care about with star trek yeah at some point discovery is still like it's for as good as everything about how fast it moves is it does mean you don't get as long scenes of people sitting around a table <laughs> Yep. You I wish they sat around tables more, for sure. I also noted, my man, they're sitting around a table. <laughs> they're sitting around yeah. a table talking about things. <laughs> Star yeah. Trek. So, uh, what's left? Ash Tyler as Vok as Ash Tyler. Uh, so there's an interview uh, that we can link uh, with Ash Tyler. Is did, Was there one past that IGN one that I gave you, or is that the big one? Uh, I was just going around looking at reactions on Twitter and like just going through. Well, yeah, but that one I gave you was specifically with uh, Shazad Latif, so I, that's the I one that I I think that's the main one. There are like other write-ups that I went, read through other websites, and I forget what I read where, but I'm fairly sure that was all, like, all the information's in that one. Um, okay. And they're all probably secondary We're, write-ups. Yes. So his his explanation that he's because he was like, yeah, the, me and the writers have worked on this a lot because we needed to be very clear what the situation was. so I could play both these characters is that when is that there was an Ash Tyler and Laurel used his body and his memories as part of the transplant where like Vok and Ash Tyler were basically merged into one being and not that he was just brainwashed and made to look like Ash Tyler. Mm hmm. 
And so the implication is that the prior Valk and prior Ash Tyler don't exist anymore. There's just this weird amalgam person. Yeah. Uh, which doesn't make sense scientifically, but thank God, because I think they're like this place where they both have to exist together and they like kind of are two personalities in one body. But I assume in the way like the scenes uh, with uh, Burnham go imply that as they are more and more aware of each other, they will just become a person with both experiences and consciousnesses. Yes. And that's just who they are. Because uh, the, the be thing really that interesting. The, the thing he was really explicit about is before he is awoken by Laurel, like last episode. Uh, he 100% was just Ash Tyler. He believed his story. It was real to him. He was that person who was taken and mushed into Valk. His relationship with Burnham is like a real thing that he felt. There was no ulterior motives there. And that has to be like part of his character going forward is that all that stuff is real. He just also happens to be the Klingon who wants to murder all of these humans. Uh, my favorite like hilarious part of this is that means that his incredibly boring story about his obviously fake like life yes. back on Earth has actually happened. <laughs> James T. Kirk is from a farm in Iowa, Jackson. Yeah, you know what? You know what? You're not wrong. You know. God. Why is there even a farm on Earth in the 23rd century? I mean, no one wants it. That's true. You're not wrong. I don't know. Like, uh, because why not, right? Um, I mean, I guess, like, the Bacards run a vineyard. Like, Worf's parents are, like, Russian Jews, right? Like, these people, these weird ethnic groups still exist in Earth, even though, like, Benjamin Sisko's father runs a Cajun restaurant, even though there's no yeah. money on Earth. Like, it's weird. It just, I mean, like, the the way it's always happened in Star Trek, which doesn't make much sense, like, when you think about it too much, but it's fine, is that Earth just exists for people to, like, pick and choose the thing they want to do, and, like, this is my life now. I'm gonna have a vineyard. It's not a business, because we don't have businesses, but that's what I do. And yet, about 30% of people say, I want to go mine an asteroid until I die. <laughs> Star Trek doesn't make that much sense when you think about it, but, like, it's doing way better than every other sci-fi franchise. Oh, sure. The amount of, like, miners and people in shitty situations in Star Trek is always a weird, like, aberration part of the whole universe, though. We're all going to throw ourselves... I mean, yeah, like, either you stay on Earth and everything's perfect, or you just throw yourself into space and go mine. Um, yep. Or you join the Federation because none of this is good enough for you. And then you like have really cool adventures until you die horribly. Uh, well, no, you probably like do a couple tests in your room while someone else has cool adventures and then you die horribly. Oh, yeah, right. Your blue shirt Picard. Yes. <laughs> uh, God. <laughs> uh, what else are the big, the other moments? There's... Um, Oh, that, that's... Uh, the only other thing I have is uh, Emperor Jochu. So if you have something else, give it to me now. Uh, I mean, I was just going to bring up the Stamets stuff. I think... I, I thought it was funny how technically they killed them both off before bringing either of them back. <laughs> yes. Yes, I was like, oh, after all of that, like, no, it's fine. Like, Wilson Cruz will be in this show. Like, we're, we have a story to tell. The next episode is <laughs> Stamets is also dead. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what's gonna happen? Thank God. I can't even imagine people like live tweeting this. No wonder they got out ahead of it. Holy shit. Yep. Because obviously the episode has to end with like with some kind of twist on that. They can't both be dead for like two weeks in a row. Um, yep. But God, it was pretty funny. Yep. Uh, what if this whole thing ends with um, like time being rewound and none of this actually happened? That will not be the answer. That's I, never the answer. That's only the answer on Voyager episodes. That's why people get grumpy at Voyager. <laughs> I know. Oh, I know. 
This isn't Doctor Who. This is fucking Star Trek, Jackson. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, the, the possibilities that like open up in terms of what can happen next when you have a like a network that links you to basically every single place in space and slash time. I don't think. I think it's just space. I think it's just space for the mycelial network. But it is the entire. Yeah, no, it wouldn't. Ma- it wouldn't make sense that it was time. That uh, like that's too much. But also, um, he's in every point of every multiverse. Like the the mycelium network is like yes, eternal. But thing. also, like it, it clearly has almost killed him. So it's not a thing that they will continue to like. The question that pedantic nerds always have is, oh, why haven't we heard about the store dri- store or uh, spore drive in like the original series? And the answer is because it turns you into a weirdo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could see Section Thirty One turning people into weirdos. I don't know. I think the I think the end result has to be that Stamets be- becomes unable to use it or ascends to the mycelium plane, and it's considered such a, like a negative out like effect that no one will ever use this again. I mean, that's right. my assumption as well. Uh, the 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 bet, the like interesting bet is like, does that happen by this like in series two? Is this just a warp ship? Like that? I mean, I kind of want that, but who knows, right? Like the given the the playground that Discovery existed in the Aritzen. Season two could be anything at this point. We don't know. They're not even in the prime universe right now. Uh, I mean, I, like, I'm a, this is all after ending under the assumption that most of these arcs all wrap up ex- like very well in this. Because I assume this season was made without any knowledge whether they were going to get renewed, like yeah. all written uh, and produced with that assumption. So they so they come back and they find out the ISS Discovery has actually ended the war by just spore jumping into Konos and like nuking it from orbit. Yeah, that's a thing they do. Yeah. They could do that. They could do that right now. You know, they could be doing it as we speak in terms of the timeline of the show. Well, yeah, possibilities endless. There are only four episodes left. You yeah. uh, So Emperor Georgiou. Emperor Georgiou shows up. Uh, the obvious choice of who is going to be the emperor. Mm-hmm. Um, w- do you see the thing online where a bunch of people are like, oh, Kirk should be the emperor. None of that makes any <laughs> sense to just get William Shatner as the emperor of this space. He, he's he's he's, a, he's like in his twenties right now. Also, he's canonically not the emperor. Yeah, no, he's canonically the captain of the ISS Enterprise. Like that's what Mirror Mirror is about. God damn it! Yep, <laughs> nerds. And of course, William Shatner or the team that runs William Shatner's Twitter account was really down for this. Oh, fucking! Of course they were. Yep. Uh, I don't know if I've said it on air, but uh, my head kind of William Shatner's Twitter is. Uh, Shanna has demanded whoever runs a social media account to like seek out the worst audience as possible, which is why he's always tweeting like fucking love life shit out of like a petty jealousy for the reach of uh, uh, George Takei. George Takei, oh my god, like, <laughs> this is the this is canon now. Is, this is canon as anything else we talk about in this show. It is the only reason I can think of that makes sense for why his Twitter account is so insanely <laughs> stupid. He's like, no, Holy people shit. people like these tweets. They have this is what's relatable. You have to do it. And someone's going, you don't want these people. Bill, you don't actually want all these people replying to you with like Nico Nico avatars. <laughs> and he's like, no. George gets George Takei like planted his flag in Facebook, and William Shatner is like, not here. I'm going to Twitter. <laughs> it's what happened. Yeah, no. It, clearly, that is what happened. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh. <laughs> so Emperor Georgiou, she. All right. All right. Should we do it? If we you don't want, it? yes. If you don't want to know some stuff about Enterprise, you can just bounce out now. We'll be back next week. We'll talk. There's an episode coming up about a, a book you can listen to. There's no spoilers for anything in there. Um, aside from Generations, I guess. Kirk died in Generations. You know that. It's from 1994. Fuck off. Um, so goodbye. Thank you. 
if you want to stay around, we'll talk to you a little bit about uh, Enterprise. Yeah. Jackson, In a Mirror Darkly is a two-parter that takes place entirely in the Mirror Universe in Star Trek Enterprise Season 4. Tell us what happens at the end of In a Mirror Darkly. We don't have to talk about the entire episode. Uh, so yeah, the whole episode is about like them getting the Defiant and the Defiant being like so super super powerful that it lets them take over the Enterprise and a subplot that becomes the main plot is that in maybe the like purest um, expression of mirror universe hashtag goals uh, Hoshi Sato <laughs> fucks her way to being Emperor <laughs> yes it's it ends incredible. with her declaring declaring herself Empress of the Terran Empire because she has this future ship now and who can stop her yeah it's, it's which is actually really, really cool it's it's a very cool moment. Yeah, because the whole time she's basically doing the whole Captain's Women thing uh, and yep. going between all these idiot men trying to take over everything. Uh, and the like ending is she's been like waiting for the perfect moment to poison Archer's drink and actually take control. Uh, and it's great. And that's the most bullshit ending. It's amazing. It's like, and now that they have to deal with that being canon. So anyway. So no. So anyway, uh, Philippa Georgiou as the Emperor, she wears a cool cloak. She looks kind of like a samurai. She carries a sword. And she's all decked in gold and blue. She looks badass. Yes. There are two in the entirety of the main cast of all of Star Trek, two Asian women, and both of them have become emperor of the mirror universe. (laughs) Yeah, they sure have. So while this is not necessarily a problem, I kind of roll my eyes that uh, two separate casts of like production wise and everything have brought this to this point where the two Asian women are both empress. And then like the Emperor, reaction of whatever. people uh, is to take the implication from this that like uh, Hoshi Sato is uh, Giorgio's like, uh, I guess, great grandparent. I don't know what the ages would work out. It's, been, it's like a like, hundred years. 100 it could years. be anything. So it could be anything. Yeah. But like, you know, it's a few generations removed. So that is the galaxy brain take that I will immediately just roll my eyes at and yes. say, now you've made this really problematic. Right now, I just kind of look at it and go, come on, Star Trek. You need to do a little better than this sometimes. Uh, you can look at Memory Alpha and see who is the only known leader of the Mirror Universe. And guess what? It's Hosi Shato. Now you've made it. George- Philippa Georgiou also. Yep. And it makes sense for the plot. It's fine. I'm going to enjoy next episode. But it being revealed as this is just like, if Star Trek were more popular, the think pieces would fucking fill an ocean. <laughs> I mean, they did last. I guess in the film nation, like Star Trek never hit the imp- God, not even all this, all the think pieces on Star Trek could never even hit half of the think pieces on like one ship on the new Star Wars. Yeah, and exactly. by ship I mean I mean Rayla. Like I don't mean yes. <laughs> yeah, no, we know. No one cares about the dreadnought class <laughs> star destroyer bullshit thing. Uh, I just Twitter searched Hoshi Sado, and everyone is going. It makes me wonder if she's a descendant of Hoshi Sado. Does this mean so, she's a descendant uh, of Hoshi Sado? Uh, if you follow, if you don't care about Star Trek spoilers, follow Trekcore at Trekcore on Twitter. They have good stuff. They retweeted Linda Park is announced she's having a baby today. So I looked at that and laughed. I was like, some nerd's gonna make the bad tweet at her. <laughs> Oh, hang on. I need to go. I'm going to go confirm whether or not this is true. Sorry for the typing, but this has to be done. No, it's fine. Important research. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Um, Having a baby. Uh, First reply. No, that's... No. (laughs) First reply is a completely different... Uh, swerve from Superman seventeen oh one saying, "Congrats, happy for you." By the way, was really hoping you would still be the emperor, empress uh, of the Terran Empire. <laughs> <laughs> she would have been too old. She'd been like in like one hundred and fifty. You can be one hundred and fifty in Star Trek. Uh in the twenty fourth century, when you're Leonard McCoy, yes. Fair, 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 fair. 
Oh. <laughs> Do we have anything else to go? I think that's it. Also, also, we canonically know. <laughs> That Hoshi Sato does not survive no, enough to be empress. No, no, we don't. We do not canonically know that. We do not canonically know shit. This is for a different episode. This is for a different episode. We cannot talk about this. We'll talk about it when we read, uh, what's it, Drastic Measures, the next Discovery book. We'll talk about it then. Hang on, I when promise. When we read a book about s- someone's... Hang on. If... Hang on a second. Yes? Shit. <laughs> what? If... In the next episode, they do make the link that they're related. <laughs> they cannot. They that's dumb. We can't. If they would never. That that's too much. I, I will officially <laughs> like this show less if they do that. No, I agree. It's it's fucking dumb. It will go from like an eye raise to like fuck you. But if that's what happens, the plot of the upcoming book is going to be even dumber. Oh shit. <laughs> Right! <laughs> oh no! Uh, we're talking. me, babe! <laughs> we're talking around a lot of details about an implication of two characters that are loosely connected by the mirror universe and an off screen bit of text in, like, someone's biography. <laughs> and an upcoming book we haven't read <laughs> for discovery that ties into events of a TOS episode from 50 years ago. Star Trek has never been more on its bullshit. I'm so fucking excited that we're here. Even if the answers are bad, this is an adventure I am so glad we are taking. I didn't realize you hadn't considered that. <laughs> no! Oh no! I'm so upset. <laughs> oh, thank you very much for listening, everyone. <laughs> God. Jackson, <laughs> plug our episodes. Oh, okay. Ah. This is a show on the Abnormal Mapping Network, which you can find at abnormalmapping.com. We have other shows on there. Abnormal Mapping is a game club. You can find that at thebestgame.club. We are uh, about to be uh, recording an episode on Shadow of the Colossus in the next couple of weeks. Um, we have the Amory Score, which is me and Molly talking about Cohen Cambria's bullshit. It's great. There's an episode coming in a couple of days. And it's 52 minutes long. Uh, so, and it's like covering one issue. <laughs> so, there's a lot. You'll see. It's a good, it's a very good podcast. I guess it's technically as good a jumping on point as the beginning. Like, the second best after the beginning. But you're still... No, have people no should go back. People should go back and listen from the beginning. Go on this ride. I guarantee you, <laughs> you are not prepared for the wonders and horrors that will be visited upon you by Jackson and Molly every time you listen to an episode of this fucking terrible <laughs> band. And it's terrible music and it's terrible lore. Everything about it sucks. And it's arresting. I cannot recommend it enough. <laughs> yes. uh, that is at INeedMayo.com. Uh, we have Novel Not New. Uh, which is just on Admiral Mapping, which is a visual novel game club with you, uh, Jen and Colin. Uh, Fireside Friends. Is- every time, every time you say you, I think you refer to the audience, and I'm thrown. No, it's I'm talking to you. Yes, but, but you give the plug to, to the audience, not to me. I know where our podcasts are found. I registered most of these domains. <laughs> oh shit! I said to transfer those domains to you. Yeah, it's fine. Whatever. Anyway, we have till summer. <laughs> um. We have Fireside Friends, which is Ryan, Alan, and Katie's podcast. You can find that at firesidefriends.net. Uh, and that's it. What else do we have? You can find Jackson at EM underscore being on... No, that's me. <laughs> I'm at EM underscore being. You can find Jackson at Head Falls Off. But in reality, you should follow us both because we basically... The amount that you find us tweeting about the same thing because we both were talking in Slack and then both decided to make a bad tweet about something, <laughs> you need to follow us both. That's uh, just the rule. The full experience, yes. Uh, uh, if, oh, 
if you have a question or comment, you can send that at podcast at neuromapping.com. We love email. Uh, we are a Patreon-supported show. You can go to patreon.com slash abnormalmapping and support us at a variety of tiers. At uh, $5, you can uh, get writing from me and Jackson every week. I might write about Star Trek this week. I have a letter coming up, and I, I, I kind of want to talk about Star Trek. It's all I've really been thinking about, yeah, is. given that my life is bad and Star Trek makes me happy. It's the one thing that's guaranteed to make me happy that doesn't cost me any money. Um, and uh, at $1, you get a Patreon-exclusive podcast, The Great Gundam Project, which should be returning next week, I think. Uh, in it, me and Jackson watch an episode, two episodes of Gundam every week and talk about them, and it's great. We're almost at the end of the first Gundam series. We'll be starting Zeta Gundam soon. Please enjoy that. I think that's everything. That is everything. We will be back next week for Discovery Episode 12. It is titled Vaulting Ambition. Well, there we go. And there will also be somewhere between now and then an episode about a book. Yes. We, Ashes of Eden. We've recorded it and it, we said it was episode 22, so we have to put it out. <laughs> episode 21. Oh, fuck's sake. Just Vaulting have... Ambition is episode 22. <sighs> We've been recording too long. That's it. We're done. Everybody, please enjoy. Watch some Star Trek. Catch up on the shows you haven't seen yet. Maybe check out the animated series if you've seen everything. I bet you haven't watched that. It's pretty good. Uh, we will be back next time. Until then, see you out there.